Though Abraham obeyed God and went to the land of Moriah, he's not the hero of the story. Notice Abraham didn't actually sacrifice Isaac. That's because God is the hero in this story. Welcome to the Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Fox Den. Over the last several episodes, I've surveyed the book of Genesis. So in this episode, I'm going to continue. Up to this point, we've seen the creation of all things, the fall of mankind, and God's promise to defeat Satan. We also saw a global flood and the grace of God bestowed on mankind. Remember, God had to rescue somebody because of his promise to defeat Satan in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The seed of the woman would defeat Satan. So God rescued Noah and his family because the offspring of the woman had not yet come to defeat Satan. We then saw God call Abram to the promised land, and he made a covenant with him. We also saw that God poured out his wrath on Sodom and Gomorrah because of their grave wickedness. And in that event, we saw that there were none righteous. Abraham pleaded with God that he would not destroy the city on behalf of the righteous. And God agreed. He wouldn't destroy the city if there were ten righteous. And the fact that God destroyed the cities proves that there were none righteous in those cities. Yet in his grace, and because he remembered Abraham, God rescued Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, and he rescued Lot's wife and daughters. And that leads us into Genesis chapter 20. And here we see Abraham do something that he did in the past. He lied about his wife to save himself. So Abraham and Sarah, they arrive in Gerar which was in the western section of what is today Israel, near the Gaza Strip. And Abraham said that Sarah was his sister. Now, he tells us why he did this in verse 11. He said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Now, was it a complete lie to say that Sarah was his sister? Well, not exactly. Take a look at verse 12. There he says, Beside. She is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. So it was a lie in the sense that he wasn't completely honest in order to protect himself. Abimelech, the king of Gerar, he took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream at night, and he told him that he was a dead man because he took the wife of another man. Now, before we continue, I want to point something out. Why did Abraham lie? He did it because he thought there was no fear of God in this place. But he was wrong. It seems that Abimelech feared God. In fact, it doesn't appear that Abimelech was unaware of who God is. Look at how he responded to God. Lord, would you kill an innocent people? Did you notice he didn't say, who are you? Instead, he responded to God by calling him Lord. Now, keep this in mind. He is the king of Gerar, so he wouldn't call anyone Lord, yet he called God Lord. He rightfully placed himself under God because he recognized who God is. And then he appeals to God based on his integrity. He took Sarah because Abraham lied to him. In other words, he assumed Abraham was telling him the truth. And God responded by acknowledging that Abimelech did this in the integrity of his heart. But look at what God says next in verse 6. It was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. 
God is sovereign even in the details. Abimelech didn't keep himself from sinning by his own efforts, though certainly he did not sin in this instance. God is the one who prevented him from sinning. Think about how this applies to you. We assume our sin nature from Adam, and therefore we are inclined to evil. Our hearts are drawn to evil. When we sin, we do so according to our own nature. Can we obey God? Well, those apart from Christ never truly obey God according to their own nature. Their sinful nature is opposed to God and inclined to evil. Those in Christ, however, can obey God, but they don't do so perfectly. So how do they obey? God is the one who causes those in Christ to obey. Take a look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That means God gets the credit for your obedience, because he's the one who works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. And that was the same with Abimelech. He didn't refrain from sinning against God. God prevented him from sinning. So God told Abimelech to return Sarah, and if he didn't, he and all that are his would die. However, if he returned Sarah, Abraham would pray for him and he would live. Abimelech then tells his servants, and they were afraid. It seems that they too believed God. Again, perhaps there was the fear of God among these people. And then Abimelech called Abraham, and he confronted him on what he did. And Abimelech gave Sarah back to Abraham, and he gave him servants and livestock and allowed him to dwell in the land. And furthermore, he gave Abraham a thousand pieces of silver as a sign of Sarah's innocence. And finally, Abraham prayed for Abimelech, and God healed him, his wife, and his female servants. You see, because of what he did, because of Sarah, God prevented them from having children. Do you see, once again, how Abraham is a picture of Christ? I mean, he's a terrible picture of Christ. After all, Jesus didn't lie about his bride. However, though a distorted picture, Abraham is a picture of Christ. He served as a mediator between God and Abimelech. He prayed for Abimelech, and God healed him in his household. And then in chapter 21, we see the long-awaited birth of Isaac. And if you remember, God promised to make Abraham a great nation way back in Genesis chapter 12. And in order for him to be a great nation, he would have to have a child. Now, Abraham was 75 years old when God made this promise. And then in Genesis chapter 17, God instituted the covenant sign of circumcision. And specifically, in verse 16, God promised a son. By this time, Abraham was 99 years old. Now, in Genesis chapter 21, Abraham was 100 years old. Remember when God appeared to Abraham in Genesis 18? He said he would visit Abraham the next year and Sarah would have a son. Well, Abraham was 99 years old when God appeared to him in Genesis chapter 18. So by the time that Isaac is born... Abraham would have been 100 years old. So Abraham had to wait 25 years for God to fulfill his promise to give him a son. Now, we see the fulfillment of God's promise here in Genesis 21. And it's important to remember that God isn't always in a hurry to fulfill his promise. In fact, he's not required to fulfill his promise on your timeline. For example, God promised that we would rise from the dead. Yet Christians who died hundreds of years ago are still waiting to be raised from the dead. Does that mean that God lied? Nope. 
He just hasn't fulfilled his promise yet, but he will. After all, he took 25 years to fulfill his promise to Abraham. Then we see that Sarah was displeased with Hagar, her servant, because of her son Ishmael. If you remember, years earlier, Sarah gave her servant to Abraham because she couldn't bear any children. So here, she demanded that Abraham send her away and send Ishmael away. And God told Abraham to do so. And then God promised Hagar that he would make Ishmael into a great nation. And then after this, Abimelech asked Abraham to swear that he would deal kindly with him. And Abraham swore that he would do so. And then they settled a dispute over a well that Abraham had dug. That leads us into Genesis chapter 22. I covered this chapter in episode 43. So at this point, I'll add an excerpt from that episode. Now he's going to test Abraham. The word tested here really has the idea of proving. In other words, God didn't test Abraham to see if he had faith. He tested Abraham to prove that he had faith. Why would God test Abraham to see if he had something that God already knew he had? So it would make no sense for God to test him to see if he had faith. You see, back in Genesis chapter 15, God credited Abraham with righteousness simply because Abraham believed God's promise. So we know from Genesis 15 that he already had faith. He believed God. So in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, we see that God tested Abraham to prove that he had faith. So he tells Abraham to take his son, and God stresses his only son, to Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering. By only son, God really means his only legitimate son. If you remember, Abraham had a son with Hagar, Sarah's maid. Well, God's not talking about that son. He's talking about Isaac, the promised son. Now, you can probably see several significant issues here. First, God just told Abraham to sacrifice the son for which Abraham waited for years to have. And this son was from his barren wife, as she conceived miraculously. Second, God just told Abraham to offer the promised son. This is the son through whom God will make a great nation. This is the same son God is calling Abraham to sacrifice. Now, what would be going through your mind? I am pretty sure that I would find a reason to disobey. I'd probably say something like, are you kidding me? You want me to sacrifice the only son from my wife. I've waited years for this son, and you finally deliver on your promise, and now you want me to sacrifice him? But Abraham's response is different. He actually takes his son to the land of Moriah. Now, let me add a spoiler here. Though Abraham obeyed God and went to the land of Moriah, he's not the hero of the story. You see, here we tend to focus on Abraham. We say things like, look at this man of faith, that he believed God and he was willing to go do this disturbing act of sacrificing his own son. But he's not the hero of the story. Well, let me get back to the story. So the Bible says that Abraham rose in the morning and he prepared for the trip. He took two of his young men and he took Isaac and they went to the place that God had told him to go. They traveled for quite some time because on the third day, Abraham saw the place from a distance. And there he left the young men and the donkey, and he took Isaac with him. But listen carefully to what Abraham tells the young men in verse 5. He says that he and the boy are going to go over there, and they're going to worship and come back again. Did you catch that? I and the boy will come again to you. Do you realize what Abraham is about to do? 
he's about to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. In other words, he's about ready to kill his son, the promised son, and he tells the young men that he and the boy will return. What's Abraham thinking? Listen to how the writer of Hebrews understands this. In chapter 11, verses 17 to 19, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You see, Abraham put the pieces together, and he knew God was going to keep his promise. Yet God is telling Abraham to offer his son as a sacrifice, which meant he had to kill him. So Abraham knew in order for God to keep his promise, he was going to raise Isaac from the dead. Here's the amazing part. He didn't try to rescue God. He didn't obey God in order for him to keep his promise. Instead, he believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. That was the only logical conclusion. How else is God going to keep his promise? Abraham believed that God is the promise-keeping God and that God is the life-giving God. God is powerful and will keep his promise even when the odds are stacked against him. Abraham knew God was going to keep his promise by raising Isaac from the dead. Well, as Isaac carried the wood, he asked Abraham in verse 7 where the lamb was. Again, Abraham proves he believes God. But there's more here. He says in verse 8 that God would provide the lamb. First, did you notice for whom God is providing the lamb? God is going to provide the lamb for himself. Second, Abraham is speaking prophetically. He knows he and the boy will return. But what we don't know is what he was thinking. Did he think Isaac was the lamb that God would provide? Or would God do something else? The Hebrews passage I just read indicates that he thought Isaac was the lamb because he thought God would raise him from the dead. But though he didn't realize he was prophesying, he was. God will indeed provide a lamb, as we will see. So Abraham built an altar and he arranged the wood. He binds his son and he lays him on the altar. With knife in hand, Abraham is about to plunge the knife into his son and the angel of the Lord stops him. He tells him in verse 12 not to lay a hand on the boy and that he knows that Abraham fears God because he was willing to sacrifice his only son. Now, I want to point out a couple things here. First, the angel of the Lord is God and not a mere messenger of God. As he speaks to Abraham, he says, you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So clearly, this is God who stopped him. Second, this proves that Abraham fears God, which means he deeply revered God and considered him greater than himself. Abraham believed God and acted on his faith, so his obedience proves his faith. But God never intended for Abraham to sacrifice his son. God had another plan. Abraham raised his eyes and found a ram caught in the thicket. So Abraham offered this ram as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And according to verse 14, even in the day in which Moses wrote Genesis, several hundred years after Abraham, it was still called the Lord will provide. Did you notice that Abraham didn't call the place the Lord provided? 
And did you notice several hundred years later in Moses' day, it was not said on this mountain the Lord provided. It was future tense. It will be provided. The ram caught in the thicket isn't the lamb that God would provide. The lamb that God would provide hadn't come in Moses' time. It was still to come. Second, the it in it will be provided is the lamb in verse 8. So from the time Genesis was written, there's a future lamb to be provided. So as God told Abraham to offer his only son, God is really pointing forward to when he would offer his only son. This event really is a foretaste of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Notice Abraham didn't actually sacrifice Isaac. That's because God is the hero in this story. He will provide a sacrifice, and that sacrifice is none other than his only son, Jesus Christ. And let me again point back to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11, verse 19. He believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead, and he did so figuratively. In other words, God was even acting out the resurrection of Jesus, Isaac, and even ours. Well, then the angel of the Lord called Abraham again. God declares that he has sworn by himself because Abraham didn't withhold his son. God would greatly bless him and multiply his seed as numerous as the stars and as numerous as the sand on the seashore. I want to point out a couple things here. First, we tend to think that God blessed Abraham with numerous descendants because he obeyed. But that's not really the case. God had to bless him with many descendants because God promised he would bless him with many descendants years earlier in Genesis 15. You see, God's blessing is based on his promise, not Abraham's obedience. Furthermore, Abraham was not going to fail this test because God was proving that Abraham had faith which God identified in Genesis 15. Second, what does the angel of the Lord mean by seed? He's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Genesis 3.16. Make that Galatians 3.16. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. So the angel of the Lord was telling Abraham that he would gather people into Christ. So he's not making many seeds, but in one seed will be numerous people. So in Jesus Christ will be many people, or the church, you and me, united to Christ by faith. So chapter 22 is a clear pointer to the Lord Jesus Christ. That means God will continue to move his plan forward and nothing can stop him. He began with a promise to defeat Satan, and the seed of the woman would defeat Satan. Then God promised Abraham a son, and through this son, God would make Abraham into a great nation. And as Genesis 22 hints, God would offer his own son to defeat Satan, and he would be born through the line of Abraham. Jesus is the seed of the woman who would come to defeat Satan. That concludes this episode. If you have any questions, please email me at terry at thefoxdenjournal.com. If you enjoy The Fox Den, please leave a positive review and share this podcast with others. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. The Fox Den is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Thanks for listening. And remember, faith comes by hearing.